Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, Smitty. Okay, so we talked yesterday on yesterday's show about the opening the border and the pressure on both sides of the border, really, to get the Canada-U.S. land border open, and especially from the the tourism Early. sector in Canada that have just been hammered during this pandemic. They're saying, please, please, let's save the summer tourism season. Let's open that border as soon as we can. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. We saw a little bit of movement yesterday from the feds, but... Right. Yeah, so... Um Again, the vaccination rates are still not high enough, uh, I think, from a public health point of view, to open that border on both sides of the border. Uh, the United States is lower on terms of one dose, but they're higher, significantly higher than Canada when it comes to two doses. So two doses, um, we've got about a 9% vaccination rate fully vaccinated in, in B.C. and in Canada. The United States is hovering around 45% of double doses. But again, that's not herd immunity. You know, we want to get 80%, 90%. So we're a long way from getting that. So... We are now reverting to second doses primarily in, in, in B.C. and much of Canada. So we've gone from almost no second doses a day to 40,000, 45,000 a day. That will get our 9% up to about 25% by the end of the month, perhaps around there. But it's going to take another long time um, uh, before we get to even 50%, let alone 75%. So it be interesting if they open the border in July with, with both sides, uh, double vaccination rate still quite low. And that's a, a precarious situation because, again, the variants of concern, particularly the Delta variant, which is really ravaging the UK right now. Okay, John Horgan was asked about this issue yesterday. He had an interesting reply about the border and when it will reopen. So here's Premier John Horgan on that. Not every jurisdiction uh, across the country has the same view on this matter. Some want to open up tomorrow. Others don't want to open up until September. I think somewhere between those two poles is where we'll land. The, the quintessential Canadian compromise, I suspect. Okay, so somewhere between now... And September, I guess. So, I mean, I, I don't would, know, it sounds like August. You know, the, the tourism sector on both sides of the border is laying the lumber on here, though. They yeah. really need the border to open because they need travelers on both sides. And it's uh, so the, the pressure coming from the tourism and hospitality sector is going to be enormous. And I wonder at the end of the day whether that will override uh, purely public health concerns. Well, the other thing is what about the the passport, the vaccine passport idea that if we're going to require people to be double vaccinated to travel, very well maybe. But again, what's you, happening with that passport? If you if you do the math, if say we open the border in July to only double vaccinated people, that basically means a lot of Americans can come to Canada, but very few Canadians. Not the can other go way. To, not the other way because we yeah. just simply don't have the numbers of double doses in Canada. And maybe that's where we land. Maybe we open the border, and that will be to Canada's benefit because the the, the Canada the Canadian tourism sector would benefit from that. The American uh, tourism sector would not. Okay, the vaccine is the key. We got to get everybody vaccinated, double vaccinated. And here's uh, Health Minister Adrian Dix yesterday talking about the second dose of the vaccine. Have a listen. People want to be vaccinated in British Columbia. The only limitation on the delivery of doses in BC is the amount of vaccine. At the end of last week, on Sunday night, we'd use 98% of the available Pfizer vaccine in BC. Okay, we talked about that in the, on yesterday's show too. A lot of people feeling some frustration. They're not able to schedule that second dose. But he's saying yeah. it's not because of a lack of capacity no. at the clinics. They need more so, you know, the vaccine supply. Every Monday and Tuesday, uh, we get about 328,000 doses of Pfizer. And we get a Moderna, far smaller numbers sporadically. We get no AstraZeneca. So you do the math. We do about 330,000 injections a week. Well, that's the entire Pfizer run. You heard Adrian Dix talk about Sunday night. Every Sunday night, there's nervousness because there's no vaccine. 
That's why Monday's numbers are always low. They we hold some back to ensure there's going to be some vaccinations on Monday. And but again, there's very uh, relatively low vaccination numbers on Monday because we're waiting for Pfizer to arrive. The good news, and this is potentially fabulous news, is Moderna is now saying they're seven, sending seven million doses Canada's way in June. Our share will be about nine hundred fifty thousand of those doses. So you add that nine hundred fifty thousand to the one point two million of um, Pfizer. That's really going to make a difference, and that means the, the the gap now to get to your second dose will not be as as wide as it is 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 now. Now it's eight weeks minimum, but the reality is, a lot of people get nine, ten, eleven weeks in, in the interval. Not the end of the world, you know. You go back a few um, weeks; it was a sixteen week interval, and nobody right. nobody had a problem with that. So now it's a smaller interval, but we need more vaccines. And the good news is, Moderna seems to be stepping up and giving us a lot. Okay. We've talked about the incentives that have been offered south of the border to get the vaccine. Yesterday, I spoke to the director of the Washington State Cannabis Board about their Joints for Jabs Joints for program. Jabs. Yeah, you get the vaccine, you get a free joint. Some people were calling it tokes for pokes, joints for jabs. You know, you get you get the vaccine, you get a joint. Uh, that's illegal in Canada. You can't give away marijuana to get the vaccine. But there are very few uh, incentives being offered in Canada. Like you look across the United States, there was that one state that was giving away guns and pickup trucks. Well, they have a low vac- to get the vaccine. They have low vaccination rates compared to us. Right, we're, we're at seventy five percent almost of one dose, and that's going to that's going to climb higher. Uh, but the United States has more of a problem. I mean, they've got forty five percent double doses, but you know, Washington State I think is sixty six percent first dose, and that's one of the highest uh, numbers. And now they're hitting the a wall. They've hit a wall. That's why. Washington State, you know, I've talked about this before. Every Tuesday, they have a $250,000 draw. They have ongoing series of prizes, $2 million worth of prizes, Alaska Airline tickets, Mariners games, Seahawks games, Seattle Sounders games tickets, and not just regular tickets in the bleachers. We're talking about private suites at uh, Safeco Field and such. So they've got a big problem in terms of uh, getting that vaccination rate higher. That's why they have more incentives, and that's why we're not going the incentive route in uh, B.C., although Manitoba has that million dollar Okay, lottery. well, let's listen to Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister here, and here he is announcing the lottery in Manitoba if you get the vaccine. The higher the value of the incentive, uh, the more it'll influence vaccine behavior. And so today, uh, Mr. Atwell and I are here to announce that uh, nearly $2 million in uh, cash and scholarships uh, will be awarded this summer uh to recognize manitobans who get uh, vaccinated this summer start of the trend maybe could we see other provinces start to offer incentives to get the vaccine it's always a possibility so no. far no one's expressed any interest in that manitoba it's not as if manitoba's vaccination rate is that low i think it's in the 70s so uh, interesting they they thought perhaps they're they're forecasting a problem with with younger people not uh Getting the vaccines. Our numbers are pretty still fairly encouraging in the younger groups. We're still registering thousands of people between 18 and 25, for example, every day. So I don't think, and we talked to Adrian Dixon, Bonnie Henry about this several times, and they both have rejected flat out any incentive program. Well, if you don't need it, I mean, if we're going to achieve herd immunity and get a very high vaccine rate without it, why would you do it? I mean, Horgan said yesterday, I think he said that we could, he thinks we can get up to 90% vaccinated without any incentives. Yeah, that's right. his take. Pretty which high is, it's, it's, Here's the issue. If, if Thank goodness Moderna's coming in. But right now, we've, we're, as I mentioned, we're reverting to a second-dose strategy. So about 80% of the, of the vaccinations every day will be second doses. 20% or so will be first doses, which means back when we were 100% first doses, we were able to get that vaccination rate 
up very quickly. Uh, one point a day was what we were doing. Now we're going to be less than half a point a day. So we're at 74.5 right now. You start doing the math. It's going to take a, a couple weeks to get to 80%. It's going to take a, maybe another two weeks, three weeks, a uh, month to get to 90%. Okay, let's talk about the old growth logging dispute and the continuing arrests that we see on Vancouver Island. I think it's been more than 170 people have been arrested. And yesterday we saw a very significant move on this. You got the, the local First Nations involved here requesting a deferral of mm-hmm. old growth logging, notably the Pachidot First Nation and some other First Nations saying, okay, we want a two-year deferral on old growth logging. And everyone thought, okay, this is the breakthrough. Maybe this is the end of these blockades. I never did. <laughs> okay. Um and it's not. I mean, the blockades are not coming down. In fact, they're they're encouraging more protesters yeah. to show up. They're asking for more money in their GoFundMe. Here is Premier John Horgan yesterday on the province approving those old growth logging deferrals that the First Nations requested. Here it is. This is critically important. Important for a, a number of reasons. Most importantly, that we have allowed, as a province, the title holders to make decisions on their land. Okay, does this give Horgan some I guess, kind of political cover here that he's able to stop this old growth logging that's been in dispute because the First Nations have asked for it now. So it sort of gives them a, a bit of an out or some political cover there. Well, right? yeah, well, I'm not sure you needed an out because the people he's sort of trying to placate here are are just it's unresolvable for them. Those protesters now want much more uh, areas protected from uh, growing, so the goalposts keep moving. So I don't. Yeah, they're he, not going away. No, so I don't think he. I don't think this was ever uh, envisioned as as the magic cure to this this uh, protest. It was obvious that they wanted more protected than just the twenty one hundred hectares yesterday. So this is going to be ongoing. What I wonder though, down the road, uh, Forest Minister Katrina uh, Conroy has said there's going to be more deferrals of old growth throughout the summer. So as yeah. the, as we go through the summer. The, the areas that are protected from logging old growth are going to grow in number and area. And I wonder if that's the key. Once the protesters see a heck of a lot more old growth is being protected rather than just these two particular areas, maybe that's the compromise that sees the protest step down. But right now it's getting bigger, not smaller. Oh. All right, welcome back. Baldry's Beat, Keith Baldry from Global News. Phone lines are open, 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. Stuart in Vancouver. Hi, Stuart. Hi, good morning, guys. Just a quick question. Um, I'm looking to get my first vaccination done. Uh, does that have to be done through the provincial government, or are there any local pharmacies doing it? Because I just called them a month waiting to get my first vaccine. No, you should go through the provincial registration system, get vaccinated, and they'll assign you to a clinic. The pharmacies are getting AstraZeneca for now. That may change down the road because pharmacies would like to get more um, uh, more more doses at their disposal. Certainly, the Liberal uh, health critic uh, Renee Merrifield's made that point. We should get more vaccines into the pharmacies, but we've got almost 200 clinics set up, and they are functioning very uh, well, and they're they're um, busy. So get, get vaccinated and get registered, and you'll you'll be directed to a clinic in your your area. Okay, keep calling six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight star ninety eight ninety eight on your cell. Merrily, merrily. In Surrey. Hi. Hey, guys. Hi. Hi, guys. Good morning. Um, just a comment regarding the incentives. I don't see why not. It's a why not question for me. Things have been so dire and serious, and Bonnie Henry wants hug day. Why can't we have some, some fun with this? We have lotteries for all kinds of things and health things, is, and this is a, a big deal. So um, I have kids in their 20s who would love that kind of thing and I think respond mm-hmm. really well. 
even though they're vaccinated. But yeah, I just think we need to have some fun with with stuff too. Thanks a lot for the call. I kind of agree with you. I mean, why not? Now, right now, they're saying they're they don't need it, but as you've pointed out. Nothing's ever off the table here. Nothing's so ever off the table. They might do and again, it. we're at 74.5% first dose. And just keep an eye on that number in the weeks ahead. If that number doesn't grow uh, consistently every day by, you know, it was a point a day, it's not going to grow a point a day anymore. But if it starts to slow down to a point two a day for a long time, maybe that's when an incentive program kicks in. Right now, though, it's not part of the conversation. Okay, star 9898 on your cell. Ken and Langley. Hi, Ken. Hi, Mike. Um, Hi. And- um, I'd like to say uh, I'm happy that we're getting more rollout on the vaccines. That's a good thing. I don't believe in this pampering society we live in nowadays for giving out little bonuses for people to get vaccinated. But if, if it's going to work, it's going to work. Maybe it's going to be a good thing. Also, I'm also really mad about the uh, LTC seniors that have died. And it seems that they're getting forgotten about as we get out of this thing. I'm glad at least that Mike DeYoung and Shirley Bond are putting Dix, Henry, and the NDP leadership on the on the plate for their negligence and causing even more deaths because they didn't use rapid tests. Mr. Baldry, how dare you make light a rapid test that would have maybe saved more lives by saying on your Twitter that, oh, people are still talking about rapid tests and other minor issues. How dare you? Well, we got 91% vaccinated in our long-term care homes. Uh, that number continues to grow. Uh, we don't have any outbreaks in long-term care homes right now. So, again, the numbers tell the story that right now the number of COVID cases continue to plummet in B.C. As the vaccinations increase, increase rapid testing is not the panacea or the answer to everything. Vaccinations are and other health protocols. I mean, we've reached a pretty good uh, rate of vaccinations in the long-term care, so maybe the maybe the rapid tests are not not as warranted now. now but what about that, earlier? Point. Well, but, that's my point. They're not warranted now. Back then, that's a, that's well, a maybe different they, question. That's a different question. Well, yeah, I mean, because but that was rejected out of hand by Dr. Henry and other public health officers who said why? that they they didn't think it was accurate and it was be misleading uh, results. And again, rapid testing has evolved at the very beginning of the pandemic. The test that was there uh, at the beginning is not like the test that's evolved now. The science has evolved, the techniques, the technology has evolved. It wasn't accurate at the beginning, but at some point you could argue maybe it was more accurate after a few months and maybe it should have been deployed back then. But again, a lot of this is, you know, hindsight. Uh, and I don't think anybody necessarily has okay. the answer. Okay, Beth on the line in Delta. Hi, Beth. Hi. Um, I just wanted to know, um, does the COVID vaccine last for only six months? Good question. Well, very good question. In fact, um, it hasn't been ruled out that we may have to go through this every year, uh, get a vaccination every year. Uh, That hasn't been determined yet. But the two doses should last you for quite some time. But the first dose, this is why you get a second dose. It does start to fade in terms of its protection, which is why you need that booster. And again, we're we're at the very beginning of this, and we may get a an, this may be an annual event. Could be every year we have to get the shot. Susan in North Van, you have thirty seconds. Susan, go ahead. No, we shouldn't give incentive for vaccines. Whatever happened to people doing things that are the right thing to do, not just for yourself, but for your neighbors, for your family, for the country? Whatever happened to that? Okay, Susan, thank you for the call. Well, we might get there without the incentives. Yeah, yeah Canada certainly has higher immunization rate. Provinces have higher uh, numbers than most American states, which is why, other than Manitoba, we have yet to have any incentives.